Okay, I contend that it is possible to say the words I'm sorry without actually apologizing to each other. I think that's true. I, well, absolutely. It's some of our bigger arguments have been like, <laughs> I've been around that. That was not an apology. What I'm in the world was that? I'm sorry you felt hurt. I'm sorry you're such an idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry that you felt that way. No. Right? Those I'm don't sound laughing. like apologies. No, those are, those are, yeah. No, we've definitely had those types of conversations. Or I'm sorry that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So we're looking at it. <laughs> What we're calling this is the art of the apology, and there it's not as intuitive as one might think. God's word is clear in terms of how we can uh, have repentant, contrite hearts, mm-hmm. and but I think where we need to focus on is where our offenses actually do fall finally, and it's not necessarily on our spouse, although there's parts of that, but it's primarily on um, we offend God, and so our hearts need to be oriented in a way that is repentant toward Him and therefore obedient to Him. Anyway, we're going to get into that, and we'll apply it to marriage. Thank you for joining us. We will see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. I Okay, so I saw this tweet come through. That's where this prompt came from. It's a tweet, and it basically it gives it lays out like how a apology should look. Right. I'm not going like to give it away because we're going to go through it. <laughs> you got to stick around. Yes. Um, but it gives us kind of eight ways, or eight, what are they, like, uh, uh, eight ways that apologies should look or can. Yeah. They're specific. Yeah. It will yeah. give you examples. Yeah. Don't you worry. It's good. Yeah. It's eight ways we can apologize and should apologize. Yeah. What apology looks like. Because again, you can say you're sorry, right? But do you mean it? And does is it really an apology if you're just mm-hmm. going through the motions and saying the words? So. so I think a lot of times an apology can just be a way to shut someone up <laughs> if you don't actually mean it. It's like, okay, it's fine. True. I'm sorry. Just, yep. Like, just shut up already. <laughs> or just get past it or right. get beyond it or stop feeling the way you're feeling because I'm, I just, I don't actually want to deal with this thing. I just want to move past it. Or I thought we dealt with this, right. but you're not actually. Or I haven't actually been reconciled to right. you. Right. So, and there hasn't been there's a, a lot, brought. I think, involved around the whole apology. Right. And extending forgiveness, receiving forgiveness um, cycle that we'll we'll get into. But first, let's start with our housekeeping. Okay. Before we get too far into it. You want to give it a shot today? I'll try. Okay. All right. Thank you to our listeners, raters, and reviewers. We are so grateful for your comments, for your rates, for your... (laughs) (laughs) Giving them rates. Giving them rates. Um, for your encouragement and for your criticalness at times. <laughs> I'm trying to be grateful for it. No, it's good to have some clarity around uh, maybe how we're communicating things. We don't want to be in a vacuum. We definitely want to share God's word um, very clearly and in a way that uh, brings glory to him and uh, illuminates hope and light in your marriage. Mm. So thank you for that. If you haven't done that, please do it. Also, this is a new one. I'm going to do it. I okay. put it in the notes. Tag us on your Instagram stories, at Fierce Marriage. Oh, yeah. Take some screenshots. Hashtag, yeah, take some screenshots. Tag us. We're going to try to start adding those to our stories way more. Um, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so via Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Fierce Marriage. And that just basically enables us to be able to do this podcast without ads and to be able to partner with you, people who are on mission with us, to uh, 
mm. see marriages glorify God. <laughs> I always forget our okay, marriage. Here's the caveat. <laughs> Selena is 36 weeks pregnant right now. Yep. I always forget. I forget most things right now. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to of stuff happening. Point couples to Christ and to commission commission <laughs> just for the gospel guys i gotta try to remember lots of other stuff okay is this a testament to my leadership no as a husband? it's not it's <laughs> okay. a testament to my baby brain right now so anyways if you want to partner with us please do so pray about it talk to your spouse get on the same page and we would love to have your support and uh partnership if awesome you hear anything that prompts a question uh please ask us don't don't sit there and just wonder <laughs> ask us a question you can do that by calling or texting 971-333-1120. You can go on fiercemarriage.com slash podcast, mm. and there's a form you can fill out, I think, there, or a button you can push or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a button. Just look around. You'll find it. Cool. Control F. If we have time today, <laughs> I have a question um, that I think we might might get into. It's a pretty, I think it'll be a fun question to answer. From it's a not, listener? Yeah, it's from a listener. Okay. If we have some time today. We haven't done questions the last few episodes simply because... Um, We've gotten a lot of really good questions, but they're really uh, in-depth, and so we want to do justice to those. Right. So we, what we end up doing is kind of compiling them all into a Q&A session. A Q&A session where yeah. we spend time studying and thinking yeah. through answers, not just spouting off, which is really easy to do. <laughs> um, so, okay, so diving into this topic, I want to I look at, okay, so think through anytime if you've been watching the news, the news cycle or whatever, and somebody kind of has a public blunder, right? Where they're caught or they're caught uh, with, you know, and they've offended either a great, we have identity politics, right? So this happens all the time. It's daily. There's, there's outrage daily. So you kind of kind of sift through that and see, okay, when has there been a moment when someone's actually, you know, they've uh, in the public eye, they've offended a great number of people. And then that person typically deals with some sort of fallout. Mm-hmm. there's outrage on Twitter, there's the news cycle, you know, gets a hold of them and they're pretty much, they are given a decision. Either they're going to go, they're going to entrench themselves in what they did in their actions and justify themselves, mm-hmm. or they're going to turn and they're going to repent. Now, here's the thing is people have looked like they're turning and repenting, but all the while they've actually entrenched themselves. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of an example, but anytime you see someone who they're like, I'm sorry that, uh, I offended these people or I'm sorry that they felt offended. Mm-hmm. It's putting any, in any, we put it on the the party right. that's offended There's no real ownership. or hurt. Right. It's not, Hey, I'm sorry that I made this bad decision or I, I said, said this thing things, that right. came from a place in my heart that is wrong. Mm. You're not going to hear that really on the public forum. Mm-mm. You're going to hear, you know, there, you might hear something like there's no excuse or there's right. things like that. But if actually owning the character flaw, I would contend that you very rarely, if ever, hear that. Where you hear someone who has wronged someone either by a racial thing they've said or, or a, well, you know, some just... sort of sexual thing they've done or said. They're not going to say there is part of my heart that is flawed and wrong right. and I need help. Right. Well, because very rarely we hear that. Because we all struggle to some degree with, with pride. We struggle with our fear. Um, we struggle with frustration about something. There's just things that we, it requires a lot to be apologetic. Mm-hmm. You have to be transparent. You have to right. understand love, right? And you have to understand, I mean, when we're talking about marriage, you know, the real issue is like, have we created a culture of, of repentance within our marriage? Have we, huh. have we That's been good. able to, because 
I mean, we talk politics and yeah, nobody wants to admit that to millions of people. And even when the apology seems sincere, it's like, okay, well, I don't really know you though, right? Like, I don't know what you're doing at night or what you're, I, I don't know you as a person. Yeah. I mm. see this like facade, but at, when it comes to like our marriage and our spouse, ideally we know each other. Ideally we know when they're really being transparent and they're really trying to love us through this by coming to us and apologizing. But that's not always the case. And that's why I think it's so hard for people to really mm. understand what apologizing means, what it, and especially in terms of like the biblical platform, right. And the, and the yes. foundation of where we're at. And so, so I, I, I want to address the elephant in the room here. This is not in part of our outline, but it just hit me that all, everything we're talking about today is presupposed, right. It's um, preempted by one big thing. And that is our understanding of right and wrong. Mm. Our understanding of mm-hmm. what is true and good and and worth pursuing versus our understanding of what is bad and false and worth avoiding. Mm. Sin versus holiness. We have to have a, a grounded view of that. Okay. Everybody listening to this, you know, it's a Christian marriage podcast. We talk about the Bible a lot. We talk about Jesus a lot. There's a good there's a good chance that you you are on the same page in terms of biblical ethics, right, right and wrong, what and you morale. Okay, but there are lots of welcome to the new folks. Maybe if you're just here for the first time, like there are a lot of folks that think that they they know. Yeah. Okay, and so um, this isn't to talk down to them. I'm just saying let's let's talk through this a little bit because we can think that we have a right view of morality, when in reality it's not right. It's not biblically grounded. It's culturally grounded and Mm. biblically informed, but not biblically grounded, meaning that we think because culture says, oh, I'm a good person, right? And Jesus says to love your neighbor, then I'm going to heaven. I'm good, right? Right. Because I I haven't killed anyone. I haven't done too many bad things. I haven't stole too much. (laughs) I haven't, you know, I haven't abused anyone or taken advantage of anyone. But the thing is, is if we look at the Bible as our, as our standard of morality, this is this will always always come back to our identity in Christ, right? Because yeah. if we look at the Bible and we say, okay, can we stand with God? Can we be in God's holiness? Are we worthy of being mm. called God's own? Have we in any way fallen short of his holiness? And if we look at the Bible, the answer is unequivocally yes, we have fallen short. Mm-hmm. The you know, if we see we hear a conviction Romans one talks about that we we, we know like all are without excuse, but we suppress the truth and unrighteousness, right? Mm-hmm. So God's general revelation, the, the, who he is, is known. It's in the hearts of men and women. But we suppress the truth and unrighteousness and that we we kind of want to deny the fact that we fall short of that. Mm. And so, but we need Jesus. We need God's special revelation to show us Christ. And so what that does, that reveals in us this fact that we are not the authority. So a few weeks back, we talked about who's the authority in your marriage, that's this answers that question. If, if God is our authority mm. and His and the Holy Scripture is our authority, then we can say, "I have to apologize because I've objectively done something wrong and sinful toward you, right. toward God." Right. If we don't re- actually agree on that, then you're not going to ever feel the need to apologize. Mm-hmm. And so all of this is going to be a moot point because I don't have to go back to you because I didn't sin against you because I just did what I wanted to do, and that's your problem that you don't like it. Right. Or and obviously there's all kinds of degrees to that. Right. But one clear example is the whole like pornography thing. Like if we don't agree that God said that, that Jesus says that lust is bad and therefore pornography is bad and it's degrading to women and degrading to society in general and it's it's not 
it's not holy for people made in God's image to participate in that or support that in any way. If we don't agree on that, right. if you're of the camp that says like, hey, it doesn't hurt anyone. I'm just looking at a screen. <laughs> you're never going to apologize or repent when it comes to that. Right, right. And so we have to have this this solid foundation. So Absolutely. with that said. Absolutely. I think that's a big... That's a big one. Almost missed that one. <laughs> well, it's, I, well, it just occurred to me because we can assume. Right, we just right. assume that like, oh, yeah, well, right and wrong. And we, But in reality, like we have to have that same understanding. Otherwise, we're talking different languages. Right. Well, and if we assume, then we won't apologize in the in where we should, I think. Right. We'll and miss that, the mark. Yeah, we'll miss the mark in every yeah. way. Right. So I think that's incredibly well said. Good job, Ben. It's specifically good go. in marriage, too, because you bring into it your... Your all your marriage baggage, mm-hmm. your family of origin, mm-hmm. your how you were raised, how you assume a husband or a wife should function within marriage, and so we don't we think like, you know, uh, if one wife is say say you as my wife, you think that uh, it's wrong for me to expect certain things from you, but I think it's right for me to expect those things from you mm-hmm. based on where I came from. Right. That's our that's our foundation for morality in a sense because I don't I'm not gonna apologize for certain things because I'm right. I, I'm entitled to those things. Right. And you're gonna say you you are disrespecting me and you're not loving me. Right. Okay, so should we apologize? Right. <laughs> Who, right. When do we apologize and what is that right. what does that look like and why is that right. important for our marriage? Because you do, you have this collision of worlds, the family of origins, right? And you've got these mm-hmm. all of these these themes of your life, the, you know, the culture and everything that's influenced you Mm -hmm. up to this point. And so, um, those are, those are battlefields of whether or not if, you know, if we're believing the right thing or the same thing, uh, and we're, and basically are we believing God's word? Are we trusting God's word? Are we willing to be transparent because of his word? That's the only time that we can really understand and say, okay, I am wrong in this and I need to apologize Mm. for this. And this is how I'm going to do it. And this is, you know, it's a, it's a very loving thing to do. It's uh, when we talked about, we always talk about biblical love and how it's very contrary to the world and it's selfless. It's not self-seeking. Confessing sin is not something I'm super excited about doing. <laughs> it's it's not <laughs> like the thing yeah. I wake up saying, oh man, I can't wait to tell Ryan how sorry I am about making him feel this way and yeah. doing this because I thought this. No, it's a one, but it is one way that we can walk in love and how God instructs us to um, come back to our covenant, come back to loving each other, come back to uh, understanding who we are. I think apologizing, the repentance and acknowledgement of of a wrongdoing or sin to your spouse and against God and the seeking out of forgiveness from them is is what ultimately apologizing is. Functionally, it it reminds us that we need a Savior. It reminds us of who we are and who God is. Um, yeah. It's also very, it can be very disarming to our spouse mm-hmm. um, when we apologize. I know you've done that many times and I've, I've just been like, of course I forgive you. Like it, it's so, right. it just makes me want to forgive you. Um, and it's also a huge act of trusting God again and trusting in his instructions and his word and his authority and that he is saying these things for reasons we may not Wow. understand know or experience in the moment but we've got to trust it because he's god and this is his word so you're laying out kind of a vision of what apologizing accomplishes and why how it functions it's yeah. necessary mm-hmm. i i love that because at a very root level it puts us on the same playing field as children of god as people mm-hmm. redeemed by christ and mm-hmm. people who need the righteousness of christ to cover us and to right. we need him we need the holy spirit's help if and by apologizing to you, like we'll talk through this. Like, when is it appropriate to apologize? Do I have to apologize like, like every intensely thing, for right. every little thing? Right. 
well, there's some things to look at scripturally, like maybe not, maybe right. not. But the thing is that we're it, by going to you, the the aim is to be reconciled to you. If there's right. a fraction, a fracture, <laughs> there's a fracture <laughs> in our relationship, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna want to see that fracture mended. Right. And repenting well, and apologizing goes to you as a person made in God's image, and right. I'm saying. I'm not perfect. Right. We both need a savior. If done correctly, like this is going to point us to Christ. Right. Well, and that's the thing too, is that when we are confessing first to God and we are reconciling ourselves or back to him, I don't want to say that out of step, but Jesus allowed us, he made the way for us to be able to do this. So right. when we're reconciled back to God, ideally our other relationships would start falling into place. Right. And so then we are able to then extend and apologize and ask for forgiveness. And I think I think to the extent that we can do it within our marriage and create that kind of culture and familiarity around not being afraid to do this, not being ashamed to do this, or just facing those fears and shames anyways, because mm. God calls us to. I think there's always going to be a sense always, of fear and shame. Totally. And I think that's sin. good, right? Because that's where God is like, I'm going to work in this and through it's this. It's in those moments that we see Which him so working good. so graciously when we need his forgiveness and we receive it. That's, right. the, that's the beauty of it. And I think doing this, practicing this within our marriage, uh, empowers us to be able to take it out from there, right. To extend it to our children, to extend it to our communities and, you know, our neighbors and whatnot, because that's very contrary to the world to apologize, right. It's very contrary to, to back down and to own something and, and, and (laughs) lovingly and kindly say, you know what? I really messed up here. Well, the world. Okay. So I'm thinking of like, in church or a neighbor or a friend, if somebody is offended, what are usually, what, what's the usual way to handle that is you either avoid it. Right. You either disown that person or you wait for it to kind of dissipate. Like right. Disown or dissipate. <laughs> you don't actually deal with the issue and say, right. hey, I was wrong. I need you to acknowledge you that disown? I was wrong and that mm-hmm. I acknowledge how you felt. Now tell me that you forgive me. I, I need your forgiveness. Mm. Obviously they have to choose to give forgiveness. Right. But... That's the worldly way of doing things. Yeah. Either disown that person, stop seeing them, stop hanging out with them. I'm done with them. Yeah. Or just wait till it dissipates and dissolves. Right. (laughs) So let some time pass. And so we're saying deal with it directly. Right. To use another D word. Right. (laughs) Deal with it directly. (laughs) And so what what are those instances? Should we start with... So answering this question is when do we apologize? Should we start with Psalm 51? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Selena chose this passage um, to go through, and then I was like, "Came up, came to light in my study. Came to light in her study. The spirit illumined your heart." (laughs) Flipping through the pages, and I was like, "Landed on Psalm fifty-one, Bible roulette." But so it's it's the created me a clean heart, oh God, that that Psalm Mm fifty-one, and I was like, "Did you read the little like?" like sidebar like like author's note thing at the beginning it says nope. <laughs> to the choir master a psalm of david when nathan was nathan nathan the prophet went to him after david had gone into bathsheba okay so you, you guys know the story of david and bathsheba yes. right she's bathing on a roof he he's sees like wowie he basically has her husband killed so that he can have Correct. sex with her yeah and then then gets her pregnant yeah and it brings basically brings all kinds of shame and consequence and it just it's a horrible thing so nathan the prophet the man of god is going to david right after this and this is what is being right this is his response david's response right yeah and you can see the contrition in his heart but can you imagine (laughs) i can't uh no i mean we've talked with couples where there's been infidelity but can you imagine you layer on top of that the fact like 
the infidelity in itself is horrific and it's it's shattering but layer on top of that like murder and the yeah. amount of regret and shame mm -hmm. and just despair that david would feel in this moment mm -hmm. okay so well, here, and how that affects generations right yes it could, and it's not yeah because god did say like there's a generational result of this mm -hmm. and it's going to be not good you're right so let's read it he says have mercy on me O god according to your steadfast love according to your abundant mercy blot out my transgressions that's a plead right there. That's a plea right there for sure. Blot, please just erase them. Erase, I cannot, like, the effects of this are too big, too overwhelming, and too hard. And I love that Blot he, them out. he's like, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Like, wow. he knows that it's only because of God that he could, he could be um, extended mercy and he could be extended forgiveness. Right. And purity, not purity, but yeah. So I'm going to read. Transgression. You're going to read all 19 verses? I'm going to read all 19 verses because oh, I think it's always good to read more than less, right? It's <laughs> better to read more than less. When it comes to the Bible, yes. So blot out my transgression. This is verse two. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Mm. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear, my, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not you will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, will you not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in the right sacrifices in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered in your altar. On your altar. So there's a lot happening there, as always, but mm. man, what a beautiful picture of contrition. Mm -hmm. And this call and response, this sense of like, you have, my whole existence is covered in iniquity. Mm. Please, God, help me. I've sinned against you and you alone, he says. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you... There's, yeah, there's two verses in particular that I, yeah. um, that have kind of stood out is... Uh, verse four, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And... Mm. Ultimately, all of our sin is against God. I mean, we may, it will, it, it impacts our spouse and how, you know, how we're treating them if we're wrong, if we have wronged them, but we are first sinning against God and then sinning against someone else. Yeah. And I think that's an important order to understand yeah. when we're talking about when we should apologize. Hmm. Um, and then uh, verse six is, behold, you delight in truth and the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And that is where God is, is he desires us to be, 
um, to have truth within ourselves. We, when we seek for, we should seek forgiveness from Him for every sin, because He desires truth within yeah. us, and sin compromises, uh, uncomprom- uncompromised, unconfessed sin. Uh, I can't think of what I'm, unconfessed sin compromises our hearts. There, there it is. is. There, boom. <laughs> so two verses stuck out to me, and I got I got hung up on them because they 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 hit me wrong. <laughs> And so what is verse 16 and 17 this is again, Psalm 51. It says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. And I read that and I was like, am I reading that right? Because I thought this was the whole Old Testament thing. This is how they're right. supposed to do it. And then he says, uh, I, I would, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, mm. you will not despise. And so there's this attitude of contrition. Can I, well, he's like, can I just go through the motions of like, he's, he understands that I can't just burn a sacrifice well, yes. and I can't just say the things. So good. I, can, I can't just like give you whatever and pay the payment, right? Or do whatever. I can't just do those things without my spirit and heart being broken and contrite. And God knows that, right? He sees everything. He sees wow. our actions, our flesh. Wow. Yeah. It's what is it in Hebrews like his word is it it splits like yeah. marrow and bone <laughs> <laughs> joints and all that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just just I yeah. think the picture yeah. the word picture here is that he sees every single layer of everything. And so that's why and David obviously understands this like I, I, you won't delight in a sacrifice or mm. I would give it if, if whatever you want God is what I will give you and I, this is all that I can and this is what I know you would take Man, because I know you I love that because this goes all the way back to what we talked about with that root of morality mm. I love what you said that I, I can't just go through the motions and just solve this right because there's a deeper morality that I'm not that I'm missing right and so listen to me here so what I'm saying is we it's not just about not breaking the law like man's law it, what, we have to uphold man's law. That's those are the magist- magisterium, the magistrates that God has given us, mm-hmm. and we, we are to honor, you know, our legislators and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And we're not lawbreakers and rebels. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not how we're called to right. see transformation come about. But those things aren't our. They're not the 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 rubric by which our like repentance is gauged, mm-hmm. right? So if you if you break the law and you you get a ticket, you go to the court. They're like, pay the fine. All right, pay the fine. Done. Mm-hmm. Or pay higher insurance because you got a ticket on your record now. <laughs> right. Or if you do something worse, it's like pay the bail or, you know, do the community service. Your debt to society pay is the paid. Bail or go to jail. Okay. God doesn't need anything that society needs. God doesn't care about our debt in the sense that like what really, I don't want to say he doesn't care. I don't want to attribute God. He cares motives. about our heart and what that, yes. what that effect what of saying. the debt would do to our hearts. Like God is only concerned with his holiness and his yes. glory as a result of his holiness. So there's not a debt. There's not any way we can repay a debt other than a contrite heart and a trusting in Him. That's why Jesus mm-hmm. came, and so this idea of repentance and apologizing and forgiveness and contrition and being actually like—it's really fostering that idea of a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Like when we are mm-hmm. when we are apologizing, when we are owning these things, and it goes you have all the to way be broken. You have to be, and it goes all the way down to. Sorry, this was a revelation just now. It goes all the way down to God's baseline morality which we have sinned against him we have Mm. broken his code of holiness we have sinned against him ultimately so that is the baseline of our of our brokenness right god i am (laughs) i have no hope outside of you right there's nothing i can do to repay this debt 
what Matthew 17 is that where he talks about? I've not, there's nothing I can do. This debt is so massive. I need you to wipe it clean. I need you to blot it out. Mm. And interesting that you say that you, usually you associate ink with blotting. <laughs> well, I, I, you also associate blood with blotting, oh, yeah. which what did Jesus' blood do other than, mm. if blot not out blot out our transgressions? transgressions. Yeah. yeah, so good. Um, so getting back to kind of our discussion, I feel like this has been super foundational, but when getting a little bit tangible, like when do we apologize? Good. Because... Yeah. Again, ultimately, every sin that we commit is first and foremost against God. Um, and we need, I think, understand that when we confess and apologize to God, again, we're recognizing who he is, King yep. and Savior, um, and who we are. We are sinners in need of a Savior to blot out, right, and to forgive us and to extend that grace. So when you look at, if you look at who the sin is impacting, right, that should from what we're understanding in our studies is the extent of the apology of a first sin should match the extent of the impact of the sin. Okay. So this is the quote, like, did you say that? It's from... um, so yeah, no, this is coming from gotquestions.org talking about, should we confess sin to all the time? Everybody we will put a link in the show notes. If you want to check it out, it's a great article. It's a really good example that he uses here. Yeah, he says, if a man looks with lust at a woman, the question is, should he go then? Since he's that woman has been part of his sin, not that she was complicit, but should he go and confess his sin to her? And he's saying, no, that sin is between man and God only. He's committed lust against her, but he's not told her, touched her, done anything, you know, committed a sin with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And he he says it should be, um, it would be uh, inappropriate uh, to actually go. What does he say? He said, it would not be needed or appropriate to confess that sin to the woman. That sin is between the man and the Lord. However... Okay. There's always caveats. However, if a man breaks a promise or does something that directly impacts the woman, he must confess to her and seek her forgiveness. The sin involves a large number of people, such as a church. A man or woman must then extend the confession to the members of the church or to the body of people that mm-hmm. who they've wronged. I'm thinking if you're a leader of an organization or a leader of a church, like he said. Um, so the confession and apology should match the impact. Those impacted by the sin should hear the confession. Mm. So that's good. That brings a lot of clarity, I think, around it. It really does. Because um, in marriage, I mean, marriage. what are some examples within marriage? We had talked, uh, I, like, if, if as a husband I'm struggling, or a wife, if, yeah. if you're struggling with pornography, I'm lusting against another person, but it has an impact on my wife. Right. So I need to confess that to you. I need to confess it to the Lord. I need to confess it to you. Right. And vice versa, if you're right. if you're the offending party. Um, there's another one where... Um, you're talking about, like, if you... Um, at work. clocked out early. Yeah. From, from being at work. And yet you like, you I built for eight hours, but I clocked out at seven. Yeah. Yeah. Then I've technically, I've stolen hours mm-hmm. now. I know there's a lot of gray there in terms you know, if you work extra hours, there's a lot, um, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, you just stole money from your company. <laughs> right. You stole and you're time, an hourly worker, <laughs> hourly paid worker. And you lied. Right. Okay. And I get home and I'm convicted on Saturday. I'm thinking, man, I shouldn't have cut out early on Friday. Right. I feel like I've I've done something wrong. The Holy Spirit does convict us, right? We right. can quench that or we can respond to that. Okay, now do I need to repent to my wife? Hey, I'm sorry that I clocked out early. Right, it's not a direct impact. <laughs> he doesn't, you're like, don't apologize to me. Right. Go say sorry to your boss. Right, but yeah. I think that character flaw is something that we as married couples can have the opportunity to, um, again, foster that that culture of, Right. Apologizing, repenting, being transparent, being honest, trusting, you know, that God's way is the higher way. I mean, I've had to apologize at work sometimes and I'm like, this person probably thinks I'm really stupid, but I feel convicted about this and I want to be clear. Or, yes, yeah. yes. And so I think a good clear example for the family it mm-hmm. is for the family. Yeah. Like, as a as a father, if I 
say we get in a fight and I say things to you that our kids overhear. I say them in a tone that is <laughs> yeah, that is it's not more me that does that I think than you. <laughs> okay. Let's just be honest, but but I like way, you using yourself as an example. If I, you know, yes, I, I don't call you names, but say I did call you a name yeah. in front of our kids yeah. and I said something I regretted. I would need to I would need to repent to you. Mm-hmm. Well, repent to God because you're the wife he's given me. You're mm-hmm. his daughter first, my wife second, right? So I had to repent to him. Okay? Repent to you mm-hmm. genuinely, not hey, I'm sorry that word hurt your feelings. <laughs> Okay, that's not we'll a, get there. We'll, we'll get, get to there. what a, an apology actually <laughs> should look there. like. <laughs> but I would also repent to our kids and say, hey, listen, dad's not perfect. I'm sorry. I, I said this to or about your mom in a way that is not respectful. You need to know that I was wrong and you need to know that I'm sorry. Right. And God is working on that part of my heart. Right. And then they can now respond. Now they have been reconciled. I've been reconciled with you and I've been reconciled with God. Right. In an ultimate sense, I'm always reconciled to God because of Christ. Right. Which there's just one more quote. I do want to jump in there and say, because I felt like it was very clarifying um, about talking about our relationship and how forgiveness is not like, you know, it's not climbing the ladder here. Right. It says, well, our forgiveness with God is not dependent on our confessing our sins to others and or their forgiving us. God does call us to be honest and forthcoming with others regarding our failings especially when our mistakes involve them. When we have offended, hurt, or sinned against others, we should seek to offer a sincere apology and confession and ask for forgiveness. Whether the forgiveness is granted is up to those who are confessed to. Our responsibility is to genuinely repent, confess the sin, and ask for forgiveness. And I will say that's wow. one thing that my mom, I think, ingrained in us. was never. It was never just like, I'm sorry. It was always, I'm sorry. What else? Please forgive me, which is what we are instilling in our children. I think the next step that I take it to with them and I'm trying to help them understand and be able to speak very fluently in is owning what, what are you apologizing for? What are you sorry for? What are you asking for forgiveness for? Because I think that's the hardest part is I used to think, why do I always have to ask for forgiveness? Mm. Like this seems sounds so, why can't you say I'm sorry? Right. And so you start understanding that as a person and an adult and then, Going into kids, it's like you gotta you gotta teach them to name it because I feel like there's there's much more of your heart is involved in that. Yeah, what I thought was interesting about that, the way he said it was whether the forgiveness is granted is up to those who were confessed to. It's funny how mm. Scripture addresses both sides of this equation separately because God <laughs> yeah. is the offendee. Is that right? No, always the, the offended. He's the always yeah. We are the offenders. He's always the greatest offendee. I mean, right. that we've always, it's everything that we do that's unrighteous. It's an affront to his righteousness. Right. And so even if in our unforgiveness, it's Matthew 18. If you ever want conviction around this, <laughs> just read Matthew 18. Start at verse 21. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the whole unforgiving servant parable. And mm-hmm. Peter asks, how many times should I forgive my brother? And Jesus says, 70 times seven. Basically, mm-hmm. don't keep count <laughs> because you have been forgiven so much. It's the whole thing. Right. Th- those who have been loved much or forgiven much love much. Right. And so it's not up to me to make them forgive me. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, your heart issue. Right. Or if I'm being repented to, it's my heart issue. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is one thing I guess we'll talk about at greater length in just a second, is that the forgiveness or the repentance and the apology and the forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean all of the pain and hurt and fallout goes away right. instantaneously. Right. Are we talking about that later? Yeah, we're going to jump into um, these eight ways of apologizing because once we kind of walk through those, I feel like that really sets the stage for um, right. what, why we go, why we would choose to apologize like this and the effects of it and understanding that, again, like you said, apology is not just like a quick fix. It's right. Sometimes it's just the beginning of some things. So um, these eight ways we will keep you in suspense no longer, listener. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But And they're, they're pretty quick, but we can just walk through them of how to apologize. 
And we got this, you got this from a tweet from Duke Kwan. So I'm not super familiar with, he's a pastor. I'm not super familiar with him, but he is published on the gospel coalition. So that tells me that he's probably a solid guy. At least, yeah. Awesome. So he tweeted this out and I thought, you know, this is perfect. Let's, let's talk about this on the podcast. Totally. I follow him on Twitter. He's, um, I find his stuff uplifting and encouraging and, um, insightful. So the first one is express sorrow. So it's everything we've talked about saying, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. literally expressing this. I I feel the effects of my sin against you. Either I feel them because I see you and I see how they're affecting you. And I'm just expressing that. Right. Like very candidly, I am sorry. Right. I think that's different from saying, I'm sorry you feel this way. <laughs> right. That's the, that's, that to me is the most backhanded way. We have arguments about this. So. And I'll be like, you know what? Until, until Which we're you. Which we're not there yet because that's actually part of us like number <laughs> okay. five or something like that. Okay. So express sorrow. Say, I'm sorry. Number two is own guilt. Own the guilt. I was wrong. So I'm sorry. I was wrong. Mm. Ooh, those are hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, and that's the part that we were talking about where there's very rarely in the public forum you see someone say like, I, there's a spot in me, this blemish in my character. Right. Usually it's you apologize to save face. Right. And what he's saying is that when you apologize, you're lose acknowledging your that face. you should lose some face. <laughs> you need to own your guilt. Sorry, just that sentence lose sounds your face, funny. Yeah. Lose your face. Okay, the third one is name specific wrongs. So mm. I did X. I did this. I sinned against you in this specific way. Yes. Uh, name, name the impact, which is a little bit different is I hurt you in this way. So it's, it's more of, I think an empathy right. an understanding of how you hurt them. So with the pornography addiction or addiction example, I hurt you, I've damaged your trust in this way, or I've hurt your trust in this way, or I've betrayed your trust in this way. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel like, feel unloved, right? right. That would be a, a way to articulate that impact. Absolutely. All right, There's f- no ifs. I'll say this one. Sorry if I, because <laughs> that's how I apologize a lot of times. Or I try to apologize. Ryan doesn't take it ever. He's like, like, that's not an apology. That's not, that doesn't work. Try again. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry if I, which, which the whole try again thing just like irks me even more. So it's never well, really helpful. why I say it in that moment, because I'm already irked. <laughs> and then I need to repent to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, don't blame shift or defend, but you, and again, Ooh. I have my name next to these because it's so, it's so me. This is just the epitome. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry if I blah, blah, but you did this, you know? So we, that's not part of true apologetic, not apologetics. <laughs> That's not a part of truly apologizing to somebody. Because see? you're acknowledging your sin, and it's up to the other person to acknowledge their own. Right. And that's where you need to be in a marriage that's <laughs> honoring to God, and you're subscribing to the same morality of yes. Scripture, because then I can say to myself, oh, you know what? I'm actually in the wrong too here. Mm. We're both wrong together. Let's love each other and look to Jesus. Right. <laughs> let's let's work through this together. Right. There's, uh, number seven is no passive voice. Like, I'm sorry you were offended. <laughs> mm, that's the worst. I hate that one. <laughs> sorry if I offended you with my friendship. Yeah. <laughs> sorry you were annoyed by annoyed my friendship. Annoyed by my friendship. Poor Andy. <laughs> uh, last one. Is make amends. What can I do? Mm. And I think that is so disarming. Um, and again, these eight ways are not... We can go through them real quick again if you want, but they're not, they require transparency. They require us being vulnerable, that contrite heart, that broken spirit that God wants. It's, that is what it requires, but that requires trust, right? Trusting God's word that when he says, these are the things that I want from you, not so he can damage them even more or break apart our spirit more, Mm. but because he wants to restore it and he wants to bring healing and he wants to bring the reconciliation into that into that space of our hearts. So quick recap. Well, I wanted one 
one thing is that they're all just notice this as we go through them again is they're all very um focused on the other person and the impact on the other person mm. whereas most false apologies are focused on me mm. focused on why i'm justified right why it's the problem is really with you meaning like how you're <laughs> feeling right it's not with what i've done and how that's affected you directly yeah. And so just think through, and, and as you apologize in your own relationship, I know that I, I won't be able to forget these anytime soon. Yeah. And so as you, as you think through that, think, am I doing this from a place of just trying to get past this or am I trying to get closer to my spouse? Am right. I just trying to get over this hump or am I trying to get closer to my spouse? Well, and I think that's what these eight filters right. kind of, th- they kind of do. Exactly. Yeah. So let's recap them all. You want to do them real fast? Go for it. Okay. So the number one is express sorrow. Namely, I'm sorry. Number two is own your guilt. And the way you would say that is I was wrong by X, Y, Z. Uh, the third one is name specific wrongs. I'm sorry, I did X um, and it hurt you. That's the name, name the impact. That's the fourth one as a name impact. I hurt you in this way or that way. Number five is no ifs. Don't say sorry if I... Because all you're doing is, again, you're, you're blame shifting in that way, which is number six. Don't blame shift. <laughs> but you did this. So I'm sorry if I hurt you, but you did this. Right. <laughs> That's just the worst. Okay. Uh, number seven. We get it. It's the worst. <laughs> I'm just saying that because it's me. And he's laughing. <laughs> sorry. Uh, number seven is no, I didn't, you know, I didn't even pay attention to your name being there. So that's, sorry. I put that there. I'm owning my sin. Okay. 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 You're <laughs> forgiven. Um, number seven is no passive voice. So I'm sorry you were offended. Um, and number eight is make amends. Actually take the next step of saying, what can I do to make this right? How can I start rebuilding trust? How can I repay this debt that I've incurred? Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, actual debt or, I've, you know, if I've broken your window, right. let me fix your window. Right. And I don't mean to laugh about the no passive voice. I laugh because I'm laughing really at myself and how many times I've done that and how ridiculous it sounds when you say it. And you, in the moment, you're like, this is what I'm feeling and, the, and this is truth and this is where I'm at. But like in the whole grand scheme of things, it's like, I'm just, I'm just being passive about this and I'm not actually facing it head on. Yeah. And so I'm not laughing at the situation. It's, yeah. In general, I'm laughing at myself inside the situation. So one I've been guilty of it so many times. So one big distinguisher in these, to me, if you put them in a table, like one of them is trying to get around the issue. Yeah. The other one is going through it. Like I think there's no way to the other side of an apology to the, to reconciliation than through repentance, mm-hmm. through contrition, and actually feeling that. So I just I don't know that that's a helpful in word picture for me. Yeah. yeah. So. Again, each of these eight ways requires transparency. It requires being vulnerable and trusting God uh, in how he's laid out this process and the purposes for it. And as we were going to mention uh, a little bit, and we'll just talk about briefly because I think we might have time for the question that you wanted to go through. Oh, yeah. Um, is apologizing is not, it's often not an end-all be-all. To, it's not the fix, right? If, especially if the wound is deep. And maybe we should have said something like this at the beginning, because I think that we, you know, as kids, I watch my, my daughters apologize to each other and they're like, I'm sorry, please forgive me for hitting you or something or <laughs> throwing a leg out your face. And it's like, they, the, the feelings aren't there. We're trying to train them. We're trying to like prod their hearts, right. And help them understand what is actually happening, but it can, it, Apologizing is typically the first step towards right. reconciliation for them, you know, and if your wound, if the wound is deep, if there is infidelity, there's addictions, there's things that, um, you know, are just so big that it's like one quick apology or 
apology should not be quick as we're learning, but apologizing might and repenting might have to happen more than once, but trusting again and knowing that God's put this, put this cycle in place, um, for our good and for his glory and walking that, walking that out and not, I think putting too much weight where it shouldn't be. So the apology is often the, again, the first step towards real reconciliation. That's good. That's good. Okay, so I was trying to find the question while you were doing that. Okay, do you want to do couples challenge real quick? Yeah, do that. Um, so that would the couples challenge I think is probably pretty obvious. Apologize to your spouse face to face using the <laughs> just, eight steps. Just above. generally speaking, just I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, For what? because I'm just sorry. <laughs> I'm just sorry. No, I'm pretty sure there's something that at least. Maybe not today, but tomorrow you're going to have to apologize for, right? So look at look at your life right now. <laughs> Reflect on your life, your marriage <laughs> relationship, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you need to apologize and walk through these eight steps. I think you'll probably try to post those in the show notes or something so that they can they can see sure. it. Sure. Um, we all have something we need to apologize for, so let's own it, let's do it, and let's trust God in it. Okay, I think I found the question. Awesome. After much searching. Okay, <laughs> so I love this because it kind of strikes the balance between a lot of things that I'm very, um, I'm, I have a lot of stake in these things. So business and in marriage and in life, okay? Big, not, fan, of, big not, fan of life. Not in that order, I I'm hope. Big, no, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm a big fan of marriage, a big fan of, eh, not as big a fan of business. It's more of a means to an end. Anyway, so this this couple, so this comes from uh, Stasia, I think is how you say the name, or Stasia, Stasia. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, sorry for butchering maybe your name. Maybe it's Anon. Yeah, it's Anon. All you, all you, uh, only a few podcast <laughs> listeners will get that. So I love your podcast and your books. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for honoring Jesus through all you do. I have so many questions. All right, here we go. My husband and I are both currently working day jobs and are wanting uh, or working toward creating a business so we can work from home. We desire this time and freedom to be together more and to be with our future children more, which by the way, it's one of the main reasons that we, I actually was a web developer before we started Fierce Marriage and Mm -hmm. I still do that on the side to kind of make ends meet. And it's, that's because we wanted to have kind of the freedom to be together more. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know that I wouldn't have articulated that 10 years ago when I started this journey. It was a heart's desire, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a worthy pursuit. I'll just say that. So since we both work day jobs and we're both trying to create a remote lifestyle so we can quit our day jobs, how do we schedule our time together or in apart from these things? Um, what boundaries do we set in our business goals and our life as a couple? What goals do we set in our business financially, et cetera, to avoid putting ourselves in a trap of prosperity gospel, which is not the gospel at all? Can I get an amen? Amen. How do we look to Jesus when working toward these desires and honor him through them? Uh, and I feel there are many couples out there that desire to quit their day jobs and work remotely. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Okay. On the podcast. So thank you yeah, for writing those in. questions disappear too quickly. Yeah, they're right there. there a lot they're right there. So, um, setting goals together. Okay. So the first thing is how do you kind of get, and I'm just going to speak to this quickly is you're trying to get from A to B, A being that you're both working kind of what would be kind of nine to five mm-hmm. jobs where you're uh, employed you know, trying to transition from being employed in a nine to five scenario into being self-employed in a more flexible, either your time and location, mm-hmm. right? So that getting from A to B is what these goals are meant to are meant to help accomplish. The first goal is getting on the same page just about, I don't see a difference really between life and work. I think work is a gift from God. It's a blessing from God to do anything that produces any sort of value in your own life and in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. And so to try and separate those, I think 
can't at, at the foundation i think it's a little bit um mi- uh, i think it's misaligning to try and separate those yeah however there are boundaries that need to be put set in place cuz you can't work all the time and you can't play all the time you need to have a balance of these things and right. boundaries are all about balance they're all about keeping work things at work meaning in that in that space in your life yeah we don't talk about fierce marriage all the time although right. it does consume i think a lot of our conversation just be by the nature of what it is but but, I, but what I want to say is, and that's that's so true. But fierce marriage is not separate in the sense; it's just a separate set of tasks. Really, right. what we're doing fierce marriage because we're on mission as a family, and right. God has called us right. to this, and we're on mission in that. Whether or not we're talking about fierce marriage doesn't change the fact that we're on mission together. Right. right. So I would encourage you to go through a family vision statement. We have, I think, if you go to fiercemarriage.com/vision or just search on our website for family vision, there's a way you can download that, and. Um, that's a great place to start. It helps you articulate what really matters to you in light of the gospel, right? As Christians, we can agree that the gospel is is ultimate, mm-hmm. that we are called to make disciples of all nations, and we are called to love God, right. love each other. Right. And Those have been foundational and super formation, formational. <laughs> yeah. They, for, they formed a lot of, and made decisions for us of how we can transition from A to B. Um, while still fulfilling this mission, right? right? And so we're not always sacrificing um, to do one or the other. It's like, okay, God, this is what this decision looks like in this season because we are taking the next step and this is the next step and the next step. And um, I think that's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's great. And I think the one other thing that I would add to this is that it's, you got to understand that there's going to be a season, I think, of, Acknowledgement, uh, sprint, yeah. getting well, getting on the same page first, getting that family vision in place, um, a season of transition, right? So you might be working two jobs, kind of thing, and that might be a season you both have to be in agreement and okay, and set the boundaries around that. That might be a little flexible, and that's okay. But again, it's a season. There should not be too many unknowns. Mm-hmm. I think, like we're going to shoot to reevaluate in January or something like that. So there's got to be yeah. some markers there. I think for everybody's sanity. Um, and for the health of your marriage. Um, and then understand that when that season has come, it's going to look different than your nine to five, right? Um, I think it's going to be nine to 10, 24 seven. Yeah, no. It's going to be nine to nine, nine, to <laughs> nine a.m. to 9 a.m. No, but <laughs> yeah, I think, no, I'm kidding. I mean, the best example I can give is like homeschooling. So many times people jump into it thinking, okay, well, I'm going to just duplicate what they do at school. So they're going to, Kids are going to be in school. We're going to be sitting at the table for seven hours a day, right? And it's like, well, no. <laughs> they don't it's, do that in school. <laughs> that's not, yeah, well, they but, don't yeah. really do that in school. There's a lot of transition time. But also, that's not what we have, our goals were here, right? Our goals were to have, like what they said in here, to have some freedom, have some flexibility, have some time together. So if I'm just trying to duplicate what I came out of, because I think that is the way towards success or whatever then it's gonna it's gonna inhibit what we're actually trying to accomplish or what what god's put in our hearts to Mm. to um fulfill sorry i'm thinking family vision fulfill so so at the core the motivation here is you don't work you don't live to work you work to live like working is a means to an end it's not the end in itself Mm -hmm. however as people designed to cultivate the earth Mm -hmm. and given that 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 commissioning Mm-hmm. into what God is doing here on earth in this place for this time, mm-hmm. your work is a good thing. And so Dorothy Sayers is an incredible um, 
essay called Why I Work. I encourage you to check that out. It's intense. But she was a contemporary of like G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. Tolkien, amazing thinker. Um, and she basically said this. She said, we need to, as Christians, we need to be about the business of doing work well that's well worth doing. Mm. And you're like, put your hand to the plow. Do things that are worth doing. Just do it on mission. Don't do it for its own sake, but do it as an act of worship to God as it's an end in itself because worshiping God is an end in itself, right? right? It's an act of worship. Right. And so do work well. That's well worth doing. Again, Dorothy Sayers. Yeah. She's um, a beast. Her and C.S. Lewis were buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So remembering stewardship, getting family vision um, aligned and clear, because I think we can assume that these are things we want. And we may not know, like, okay, why do we want them though? Are they truly? Are you, are they truly? You got to put them through the fire. Like, are they truly desires that yeah. are from God, or is it just because I hate my job? Like, yeah. you got to. God's really got to bring good. those into fo- really into good. clarity and make their make them foundational for you. We so. have to assume that it comes from a heart orientation that is not just again not running from something, but running toward God's yeah, vision, and absolutely. not just running away something you don't like. Absolutely. I want to end with this. Don't do it alone. Get a mentor couple around you, whether that's a business couple or not, doesn't really matter, but somebody who's going to look out for you and your marriage mm-hmm. so that you can be partners on mission and not just people trying to make money mm-hmm. in the same household, okay? So, and make sure they're gospel centered, they're mentoring you. If you don't have those friendships that are going to ask you hard right. questions, find them. And pray for and them. And spend time yeah. building those pray far more than you life. build any business or Absolutely. endeavor. Okay. That's, that's, I think like this has been a full episode. So, very full. Should I pray? Yes. Okay. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word that is uh, always um, um, revealing parts in our hearts that need to be submitted to you and aligned with your authority, with your truth. God, I thank you for your grace as we learn as a people. Thank you for loving us as your bride, Jesus. Thank you for being so kind and so loving to us. I pray for the husbands and wives listening to this, feeling feeling through this topic of apologizing. I pray that you would give them a heart of wisdom, mm. that you would help them. And Holy Spirit, convict them, convict us where we need to be corrected in these areas of really learning how to repent first to you and come first to you as the the ultimate authority and our ultimate target of, of our affection, but also how to repent to each other and how to live lives that are integrous in this way and genuine in this way. Mm. Father, again, thank you for your amazing word and Holy Spirit for making it come to life in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Oh, I wanted to mention Patreon because we've had an amazing um, Patreon community developing, Mm. and thank you guys for sticking around. It's been so fun to watch that grow. We're actually about 20 patrons away from hitting our next goal of 250 patrons. Wow. And so please do consider praying for that, praying, mm-hmm. being a part of that. If God leads you, go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage. When we hit that 250 mark, we have some fun stuff. We're going to really put the put the uh, fire underneath. Is that the right? We're going to put the gas pedal on. <laughs> My analogies are mixed up. See, he's about as pregnant as I am. <laughs> some really cool endeavors that we're, we're hoping to start lining up, and that 250 mark is kind of our trigger point. So check Woo! that out. Anyway, oh, oh, also, we just passed 2 million oh, downloads, so we can now Whoa. say millions of downloads millions on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. <laughs> so that's because of you wonderful listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. And once again, we'll see you in about seven days. And until then... Oh my goodness. Oh, this episode is in, in the can. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. The only way we can get 2 million more listeners is if we're consistent. <laughs> Goodness sakes. Okay, I'm this sorry. Guy. I'm, you know, I'm genuinely sorry. I'm sorry that I forgot to say that. 
What else? <laughs> She's looking at the checklist. <laughs> what else? All right. This episode is? In the can. All right. We'll see you in about seven days. Until next time. Stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care. Mm